0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. NW265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. And screaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God
2: bless you and roll tide. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992. Winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Also seeing time with the New England Patriots be, and the Carolina
1: I think there's lessons learned from a year ago. When we didn't prepare right, we didn't practice the way, you know, I think we need to practice to prepare, you know, we didn't always play really well. So to be a more consistent team in terms of our ability to prepare and execute, I think is going to be critical for, you know, how we play not only in the opener, but how we progress throughout the season. Uh, Utah State, Blake Anderson has done a really good job there. This team can play, you know, really in any conference and do well. Um, they ended up a top 25 team a year ago. They won 11 games, beat you know a couple Pac-12 teams, um, beat Oregon State in the bowl game. And they've got like 12 starters back, um, quarterbacks back, who's a really good player. Uh, they were one of the most effective passing teams in the country a year ago. These guys are very aggressive on defense. They create a lot of negative plays. Uh, they get a lot of turnovers. Um, They've got their specialists back. So uh, they had a a game. Obviously, you know that they beat uh, Connecticut last week, you know, 31 to 20 and got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then played really well, you know, as the game progressed. So, um, you know, this is really kind of about us and how we prepare to play and what we need to do against uh, a really good opponent. So uh, that's going to be the emphasis, you know, all week long for us. Right, chase. You
3: mentioned some concerns about depth in the last week or so. At what position would you say
1: you're most comfortable depth-wise? Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, we're just trying to get as many guys to play winning football as you know we possibly can. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of competition on our team right now, which I think you know really helps you develop the kind of depth that you need on the team because guys are out there every day, you know, working hard. I think you know one of the things we try to emphasize to our players is whether you're going to start or be a backup, you got to prepare yourself to be ready to go when you get your opportunity. You know, a lot of guys they kind of slack off a little bit when they don't think they're going to play or they're not going to start or whatever their role might be. And then when they do get to play and they do get to be called on, you know, they're not ready to go. So we're, we're, we're trying to emphasize that so that we get more players on the team who can play winning football for us. And, you know, we're going to continue to do that, you know, at every position.
4: What does it say about your experience depth at running back and how well you've recruited that position that you have a, a back the caliber of, of Jace McClellan behind Jameer?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, we feel good about the running back position. There's experience there, even though two of the guys, two out of the first three guys, or two out of the first four guys, however you want to couch it, um, are coming off injuries. They don't seem to be having any issues or problems and have had really good fall camps. Uh, Jameer has, you know, been a, a really positive addition to the offense in terms of what he gives us, so I think we have five guys there that can play winning football, and we're going to continue to try to develop all those guys. Obviously, based on what happened last year, this is a, a position where it's good to have a lot of depth. And cornerbacks, you see there are uh, oars
0: between two of the starters. Where, uh, Terry on Arnold, you know, what has he done this preseason to to impress you?
1: Well, he's played with a lot of consistency. He's got a lot more confidence now. I think he's a lot more comfortable with what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to do it, why he's supposed to do it that way. And uh, he's played, you know, really well uh, all fall camp. And I'm really pleased with the progress that he's made. And consistency and performance at any position is really important, but especially at the cornerback position where you really got to focus because there's going to be five or six plays in a game that you have to make. But those five or six plays are going to be critical plays in the game. Probably end up either being big plays or, you know, incompletion. So that consistency and performance is really, really important at that position because you got to be able to stay focused and stay on your game every play, even though you may only get challenged, you know, five, six plays in the game. So, uh, and, you know, we'll see who can do that the best. Kind of a two-parter on the tight ends. Just, do you have an update on Cam too and his progress? And then, with him being out this
5: preseason, have you seen some of those younger guys at tight end progress?
1: Yeah, Cam's going to start practicing today. Uh, see how he progresses and see how he does. I don't think anybody can, you know, make a prediction about that right now. He was on the, you know, treadmill and all that stuff last week. Never had an issue. Never had a problem. So. You know, the next thing he does is start, you know, dry land, working to an individual, seeing what he can do in practice. And, you know, it's kind of day-to-day with him. But I think the good news is, is because we have three young players at that position, they have gotten a ton of reps and made significant progress because of the ton of reps that they've got in his absence. Um, so, you know, Robbie Oates has done a really good job at the position, but all three young guys have made significant progress and they'll probably, you know, have some role in this game. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, had to go to the hospital yesterday after you know, suffering some non-life-threatening injuries. Have you had a chance to reach out to him or um, kind of what are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, we, our, our thoughts and prayers are out with to B-Rob and his family. And I did reach out to him. I uh, didn't get him, um, so we texted him. So, you know, B-Rob is doing really, really well. I think he's doing well uh, relative to the information that we have, uh, even to the point where they think he may be able to come back and play at some point in the season. So we're hopeful for that. We'll keep our fingers crossed. But uh, we're just glad that this is not something that is, you know, critical to his future uh, or putting his life in jeopardy in in the short term.
2: You've talked about Ja'Cory Brooks' his competitiveness before, but what makes him kind of have that feel for being on special teams returning kickoffs?
1: Well, he's going to probably be the off-returner, but Ja'Cory is very competitive. I uh, like his spirit, like his energy, like the way he works every day. And uh, he's had a really good fall camp, and whatever role we've asked him to be in, whether it's special teams, being a starter receiver, you know, he's always responded in a really positive way and done a good job and he's continued to do that throughout fall camp and I'd assume we'll continue to do it, you know, all season long. How much do you weigh the production that that Sean and uh, Kobe Prentice had in the scrimmages when making a decision on who's going to play in the game? I think that's why we practice. I think that's why we have scrimmages. See who's going to be productive, who's going to be competitive, who can go out there and sustain, know what to do, play fast, make plays, have confidence in in what they're doing. So, uh, I think it has a significant impact on you know what their roles are going to be in a game. Hey, Coach, happy week one to you. I just wanted to ask on you touched on the competition that you see, and obviously there's competition with certain position battles that you, you know, are expecting in the preseason. But I want to know just how do you encourage that in these other position groups where you don't see that? Do you want to see the competition just kind of remain? And how do you actually encourage that within players throughout the season? Well, no one's entitled to anything, you know, on our team. So, you know, the message to every player every day, regardless of what the competitive's Circumstances at his position is you're trying to create value for yourself. You're trying to be the best player that you can be. There shouldn't be any external factors that determine how you go about that. And if you're really a true competitor, you don't need somebody to be competing for your job because you're competing with yourself to be the best version of yourself that you can be relative to whatever you choose to do in your life. So it just happens to be football that you're playing right now. So hopefully you're going out there every day and competing to play well. And in most cases, if I see guys that I don't think are doing that, we put somebody else in. Um, That's the one way to get the message across, that you're not entitled to play unless you do things the way you're capable of doing them.
2: Yeah, on yeah, Coach, you said Utah State, they played in one last week. What do you think the positives and negatives are to playing in week zero and getting that game experience versus getting the extra rest like you guys did?
1: Well, I think it's always a good thing to play a game. You always find out where you are. Uh, they probably found out a lot of things about their team. You usually improve a lot from week one to week two. Um, so from that standpoint, It's probably an advantage to have had a game. But at the same time, um, you know, sometimes when you have a game, things go well. Some things don't go well. Sometimes you get guys injured. I don't know what the status of their team is after that particular game in terms of how it might impact them and how they'll play in the next game. So I don't think anybody can really answer that question. Uh, because it's probably up to each individual and each team in terms of how they approach what they do. But I fully expect this team to come here and having played a game or not played a game um, and look at this as a tremendous opportunity to sort of, you know, say who they are as a team in terms of how they play. So I don't think their motivation is going to be anything but stellar in terms of how they come in to look at and approach, you know, plan. You know, us here in Tuscaloosa.
5: You spoke a few times about Jaheim Otis's progression throughout the preseason. Just what did he do ultimately to, to prove himself, to put himself in that split starting role? And then how does he also co- complement his game compared to DJ Dale?
1: Well, look, you know, the first thing about being a good defensive lineman at whatever position you play is you need to be hard to block. So if I was going to say something simple without getting te- too technical, I would say he was hard to block. And if he can continue to not make mental errors and understand exactly what his role is up front, I think you know he can make a significant contribution in playing. Um, how you compare one player to another, I don't really think, you know, they both play the same position. Uh, we have the same expectation for what they need to do at that position and you know both guys are capable of doing it well so I don't think comparing players is really a fair thing for me to try to do
4: all
1: right right, thank you
6: All right, welcome in and again a Monday edition game week hard to believe it's game time and Alabama Utah State uh, coming up this Saturday we got other great matchups as well we'll talk about some of the great non conference matchups across college football here in Week 1. After getting through Week 0 last week, we got the Nebraska loss Northwestern. We'll get into that with Lars, our resident Nebraska fan, and uh, much more there as well. Mick Gillespie is going to join us around 1215 to 1245. We'll get his take coming up and talk a little bit about Alabama's depth chart released as well from offense, defense, and special teams and the guys who uh, had a chance to earn their spots uh, for the Crimson Tide heading into the 2022 season. All right, uh, Joining me, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, live from the AVX Studios. Before we go to them, present by Top Golf at Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf today. You'll absolutely love it. We call it the bowling of this generation. With coworkers, family, or friends, you're going to love Top Golf. Also presented by. Uh, and, and also driven by, excuse me, Sunny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sunny King Ford. All right, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Lars, happy anniversary. Four years yesterday for us uh, here uh, live from AVX. And uh, man, I tell you, what a, what a great weekend as well. Some more uh, sunshine. We haven't seen that in a while. And I
3: uh, hope you guys are doing well today. Yeah, I don't know how Lars is. I mean, you know, Saturday morning was kind of tragic. Oh, what <laughs> happened in Dublin?
5: Yeah, we'll get into that. I know but will. um yeah, doing good. You know, it's exciting. It's a depth chart day. I know fans look forward to that. Media finally get to see kind of where guys stack up uh at Alabama and get to uh, get in the normal routine of uh, hearing coach Saban speak on Monday and um you know, not a, not a lot was revealed in this uh, press conference, but you wouldn't expect uh too much. But, uh, yeah, the weekend was great. How
3: about you, Matt? How are you doing? Oh, just fantastic. Everything has really been going my way lately. You know, my kids are all here, grandkids, watching football. Um, but I, I think the most interesting thing over the weekend, and I know we'll do, do a deep dive because we've got Mick coming up and Terry Henley's going to come up in our second hour. He's going to talk some a little bit about the eighty situation. But T.J. Finley, starter. Uh, I'm not sure either of us predicted that
5: I it think was- that's a reflection on the fact that Calzada missed the spring and I, he may not be a hundred percent with that shoulder. Uh, He's me. not. And yeah, that's his. Yeah, yeah, Jay. That's yeah. my. That's my quick uh, ten cent analysis of uh, of the Auburn quarterback situation. How about you? Are, were you surprised <laughs> that Finley was named the starter? <laughs> formerly, named no,
6: him? because of that very reason. Uh, that's why, because uh, Calzada just has not been healthy. He's had shoulder issues. Actually, had a buddy of mine down in Auburn this weekend. Uh, he was down visiting one of his kids at school there. and took a picture of all four quarterbacks having lunch uh, out at a, at a restaurant and uh, they were all together and you know, like they were cutting up laughing and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, he's really just struggled. And that's kind of been the word uh, not only on the streets, but coming from the coaching staff as well, a little bit. They haven't got too much in depth about it, but uh, we'll see whether or not he can recover. I think he was going to be the guy. Uh, it seemed like from everybody's speculation, but TJ's had, you know, a, a good camp and I think they feel comfortable with him. He's got the starts from last year. He's got, uh, you know, had the, the win against Georgia State and, uh, you know, really coming back from from that once he came and replaced uh, Bo Nick. So they're uh, they're going to put their put their uh, eggs in his basket and see whether or not he can pull off uh, a good season for the uh, Auburn Tigers. The big story too: Washington, Commanders running back and former Alabama running back, Brian Robinson, hospitalized with non-life threatening injuries after being shot. And a possible robbery attempt uh, yesterday and um, the Washington rookie running back shot multiple times Sunday evening during a possible attempted robbery there in Washington DC according to the police spokesperson he was taken to a hospital with what the team called non-life threatening injuries uh, mostly to his lower body uh, two shots looks like uh, they said that uh, they just got done visiting with Brian this comes from Ron Rivera uh, he said he's in good spirits wanted him to, wanted me to thank everyone for their kind words prayers and support. He wants his teammates to know he appreciates them all reaching for reaching out and loves them all and we will be back soon doing what he does best. And he's had a great preseason so far. Now, according to Dustin Sternbeck, the director of communication for Metro Police Department in Washington, the incident happened shortly after 6 p.m. Eastern time in the 1000 block of 8th Street Northeast in the district. So when police arrived on the scene, they located Robinson who, according to Sternbeck, was uh, suffered from a couple gunshot wounds to his lower extremities. He was transported immediately to a local hospital. Uh, Sternbeck said police have identified two potential suspects and recovered a firearm a short distance from where the incident occurred. He said authorities uh, are not yet sure if Robinson was the victim of carjacking or just an armed robbery attempt. So an investigation remains ongoing. But we'll continue to find out more information about that. Good, It's great that it's not life-threatening. sounds like he's going to be able to go through this and get back out on the field uh, very, very soon. But our thoughts and prayers are with Brian Robinson. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, continue live from ABX, but also Mick Gillespie is going to join us from On3Media, Bama Insider. He'll join us to talk Alabama. We'll talk a little depth chart with him as well, released today. And what coach statement had to say in his presser all coming up. Stay with us. We're live from ABX.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AV. need at the price you want. TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. Available at major retailers. 5G-compatible device required. Actual
0: availability, coverage, and speed may vary. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with scattered showers and thunderstorms through early tonight. The high today, 91. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, morning sunshine, scattered showers and storms again by afternoon. The high at 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
6: Get Mick Gillespie on as well, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter. Let's go to Mick Gillespie joining us uh, down. Uh, I guess at Fairhope, he may be out of town, but I think probably Fairhope today, Monday. But from Bama Insider on Three Media, Mick, great to have you on. And man, it's game week. Can you believe it?
7: Yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah, I'm down here in Fairhope at Fairhope, and uh, I'm excited, man. I mean, we got our first tailgate show recording that on uh, Friday night at Innisfree. It's going to be great. Bama's number one. Now we got a depth chart, so.
5: Here we go. Mick, did uh, anything from the depth chart uh, leap out at you? Any surprises? Uh, I don't think there's there's too much uh, breaking news on on this, other than perhaps Ja'Cory Brooks not being listed as a starter at wide receiver. you got Kobe Prentice, uh, Jermaine Burton, and Trayshawn Holden. Uh, but uh, you, you get the sense that they're going to be rotating uh, quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, not sure really how important the first depth chart is, but, but did anything strike you?
7: No, I mean, look, we've heard that Prentice was really good in uh, you know, in camp. And I mean, like, you, you know, you're supposed to win these jobs. You know, Nick Saban's always said that, you know, like no one has a job. They got to go earn it. So it's exciting to see him. We're going to see Brooks though. So I'm not really that concerned. Uh, you know, that that Brooks won't get any action. But um, it's not a surprise just because that's what our, our guys have been telling us. You know, um, every Monday night when we bring on Clint Lamb, you know, he's on Monday Night Quarterback, you know, he keeps saying Prentice, you know, so uh, he's won the job at least for the first week, and, you know, and that's good for Alabama. Uh, Latu hasn't practiced, so he's not on there, but I'm sure that'll change here soon. Um, I, it's pretty much what I thought it would be. Going into
3: week one. If you listen to uh, Nick Saban's news conference just a few minutes ago, and then his most previous, uh, he seems to be making a point to say his twos aren't performing. Are y'all picking that up, Nick? I mean, you know, he always has a message he's trying to, you know, kind of slip in there. and But today he was talking about his twos and his threes not stepping up, and uh, he's worried about. Not the depth chart, but the depth of the depth chart. Ha-ha. Uh-huh.
7: Yeah. Well, look, last year's lesson was, you know, they had the guy that's in trouble all the time. That was in Texas, and who knows what he's doing now, at wide receiver tw- tweeting constantly that, you know, I don't know, like he was going to quit, you know, this and that. You know, and then when when Alabama needed him when he got his opportunity, the guy's trying to catch the ball with his hands crossed. You know, it's like, look, What has Nick Saban tried to say from the beginning? You've got to practice every day so that when you get your opportunity, you're ready. Well, that wasn't the case with the wide receivers last year. They had their opportunity in the biggest game of the season, some of them. Now, not all of them. Obviously, DeCorey Brooks, he was ready when he got his opportunity and he won the Iron Bowl. Um, You know, he's got to have these guys prepared. For the opportunity when it presents itself and it may be during utah state or it may be against georgia in the national championship game and the, and you gotta you gotta figure alabama's number ones are going to make everyone look bad this year I'm i'm guessing they're going to be the best number one group offense and defense in the country that doesn't mean they're going to win all their games but talent wise it's going to be hard to compete with them and so They're probably looking bad in practice, just like Utah State will probably look bad on the field Saturday in a real game, but he's got to keep those guys pushing to compete to make the number ones even better, right, to have competitive practices. But number two, when these guys get their chance, that they're mentally ready to go. And the other thing that he's dealing with now, and all these coaches are, is with the transfer portal, you know, if little Johnny doesn't get to play on Saturday and, you know, he's not not really feeling practice, you know, he may transfer, you know. So mentally, he's got to keep these guys sharp. And I think that's part of the process right now. As much as actually going out there and performing, it's mentally being ready to perform.
6: No, you're exactly right, Mick. And, and I think that was the message that he, as you brought up, uh, continued to talk about even after the national championship game. So, look, guys weren't ready, you know, to step in and, and, and play in those roles. And I think he's been preaching that in the off-season. He's been preaching that now all the way through fall camp uh, and going to preach it all the way up through probably the first so many games to make sure those guys are staying – tuned in and, and not losing focus, and, and the process is if they're starters, not just backup guys. All right, more to break down as far as the depth chart. Also, Alabama's first matchup against Utah State will do that. Well, Mick Gillespie on the other side again. Mick from Bama Insider on 3 Media joining us uh, each and every Monday. we get a chance to break it down with him. Terry is going to join us, hour number two, with our Auburn Tigers. Their quarterback, T.J. Finley, has been announced, and uh, much more from that as well. So stay with us. We're back. Mick Gillespie, Bama Insider on 3 Media with us, continues with us here on the other side. white glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's behambroker.com. Sell your car through behambroker.com or 205-716-1269. And shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to SiebelsCottage.com and order anything you want and type in J. Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the J. Barker Show. Siebels in downtown Homewood or online at
9: SiebelsCottage.com. letter O
6: Of, uh, race car driving and yesterday man did they have a major crash at uh, down in daytona we'll get into that with matt Coulter here in about uh, 15 or 20 minutes get his explanations on that austin Dillon able to get out in front of that and uh or get through it i guess you might say Man, I mean, pretty much what 15 of the uh, top guys uh, getting uh, knocked out of that race pretty quickly. Alabama men's and women's cross country, uh, both uh, rated uh, ranked number one in SEC preseason coaches poll. Congratulations to them. And Alabama soccer, uh, women's soccer, uh, tops uh, number 18 Clemson in a dominant 3-0 win as well yesterday, so congratulations to uh, both of those particular teams. Back to Mick Gillespie, joining us down in Fairhope, Alabama, with BAM Insider on 3 Media, giving us some great insight as far as the Crimson Tide getting ready for their first game against Utah State coming up uh, this Saturday. Let's go back to uh, the, the depth chart for a second and uh, look at uh, you know the cornerback position. We talked about Eli Ricks, and he's on a lot of the preseason as far as uh, lists of whether it be All-Americans or SEC, uh, all SEC-type players. Uh, also, you look at uh, Terry and Arnold gets the start on one side, Kool-Aid McKinstry on the other. Eli Ricks, they got him as the backup cornerback to Kool-Aid. And then uh, uh, Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Jackson is the backup uh, to Arnold on uh, the other side of the field. So DeMarco Helms gets the uh, free safety spot and Jordan Battle. No surprise there. And Brian Branch as your star. That secondary, though, it, it could be a, a really – really good one uh very athletic a a lot of especially in the safety positions a lot of experience there mick for this team uh, you know, in in an area where, you know, you, you I think up front you're going to have the pass rush. You're going to have a lot of pressure with, will it be Will Anderson? whether it be uh, even with Dallas Turn on the other side? Uh, Brasswell's had a, a great camp as well. They're talking about how to get him on the field and, and get more playing time and more schemes and different types of sets for them to have all three of those guys on the field, whether it be rundowns or passing downs. But talk about what you're seeing on that depth chart on that side of the, on that, that side of the field. Yeah, look,
7: I mean, it's hard not to be excited about this. Uh, you know, secondary. I don't want to give them a nickname, you know, because uh, we did that a long time ago. Remember the Pancake Posse? We thought 2000s <laughs> offensive line was going to be so great, and then, uh, you know, we know how that turned out. So no no nickname for these guys yet, but I do feel like this is going to be a ball hawking group, and I'm excited to kind of see what that looks like on the field. I'm not worried about Rick being, uh, you know, kind of a the second – second team right now we're going to see him a lot you know he had some off the field stuff you know he had some injuries that he was dealing with new system but at some point this year uh he's he's going to be uh someone that we'll see a lot of and it may be this game i mean who knows but i love this group i mean this is the with the pressure that you figure they're going to get on the quarterback these guys are going to make some plays you know what was the year that they had it was like 2015 that they had all those turnovers you know, they just every time you turned around, they were taking it to the house. You know, this could be a group that, that mirrors them. So it, it's exciting when you look at that depth chart. Now, we felt this way last year, too. You know, we kind of looked at the defense and said, man, this might be name-wise, you know, like the best defense Alabama's had. They were good, but they, they weren't the best. So I'm curious to see what the identity of this defense looks like.
5: Make uh, one more depth chart question for you, and that's at running back. I think we all expected uh, Jamar Gibbs to be the starter, and I actually think he will make it to New York as a Heisman finalist as long as he stays healthy. Uh, Nick Saban just seems giddy whenever he talks about him. (laughs) And then uh, tied for kind of second and third string, you got Chase McClellan, Rodell Williams, And then you got Trey Sanders, essentially four string. Um, And, you know, he is one of the favorites, certainly, of all of us on the show, just for everything he's overcome. I think he's a fan favorite as well. How much of the field do you think Trey Sanders sees this year?
7: Well, I mean, look at what we found out last year, right? Alabama had one running back at the end of the season, and then Trey Sanders, you know. So uh, I think that he'll play. Um, the, you know the formula now in the NFL and Alabama has kind of continued that in college is that you use all four of these guys. You know you want to keep them, you want fresh legs for the fourth quarter. Uh, you know we're going to see a lot of Jameer Gibbs, but I think we're going to see all of. Them. Matter of fact, I think we're going to see five different running backs. Um, they're, they're good at working in a rotation where you see guys. A lot of it will also be dictated on play. You know, um, you know how, how does someone look? At game speed, you know, or are you fumbling the football? You know that'll get you off the field. Uh, and well, Alabama hasn't had a running back fumble issue in a long time, you know, and that's because Najee Harris and Brian Robinson were were really good at not fumbling the ball. So that's the one thing I'm concerned with when you talk about these guys. just because we really don't know. I mean, uh, Chase McClellan's always been since he got to Alabama one of my favorite players. I, I love his explosiveness. He can catch the ball. You know, he's a home run hitter. And, and if you remember when he was trying to break in, you know, he was that guy that would come in the, to the fourth quarter of games when Alabama was blowing teams out, and they had to take him out because he would continue to blow them out by, you know, turning what were supposed to be, you know, little five, ten-yard plays into touchdowns. You know, and then last year, I think he was poised to have a great season, and then he had an injury. So I'm curious to see how he's going to bounce back. But to me, the number one thing that these guys have to do because I really feel like we have a lot of home run hitters, which is something that after McClellan went down last year we didn't have. It's just holding on to the football. I think there's enough toast for all these guys.
3: Hey, I want to ask you real quick, uh, stepping outside Alabama and the SEC, uh, about Nebraska. Is Scott Frost <laughs> going to see November? Uh, I, I, I kidded kind of with Lars a minute ago. I said, he, I, I'm surprised he didn't get fired on the plane. But, uh, Look, that's a yeah, horrible a good situation question. for Lars's. Yeah. Horrible Look, I'm not going to say,
7: I, I'm not going to say who it is, but I, I was talking with one of their biggest boosters and in the off season.
6: Is that Lars? And, um,
7: that, and I, no, 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 <laughs> no a guy. That's probably going to help them a lot with NIL money. And I said, uh, you know, Scott, you know, like this guy, I mean, we saw what he did at Florida, la la la, And, the look I got back, no word said. The look I got back was, uh, probably the look that a lot of Auburn fans have when you say Brian Harson, you know, <laughs> and, and, and we expect it, you know, and I, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I was pulling for Nebraska. You know, they're one of my teams that, you know, outside the SEC, I like them. I want to see them do well. Um, the dumbest thing they ever did was get away from that, that triple option because if they played that offense against Alabama, think about how bad Alabama struggles against Georgia Southern. And you're talking about one-star athletes, maybe two stars. You put four, some three-stars and some four-star guys running that offense these days against the way that these defenses are set up because, you know, we're, we're smaller now and we've run more, you know. It's not like space eaters. You could go out there and maybe that's, maybe that's a way to beat the spread, you know, but no one really does it. I mean, Georgia Tech had success with it. But they, once they started losing the athlete, you know, you still have to have elite players to make it work. You know, Nebraska was that school. It, they were kind of the last of the Mohicans. Like they ran that thing. They ran it well. They ran it into back to back championships. And then people got impatient and they went away from it. And, uh, you know, and they don't have an identity now. The problem that Scott Frost has uh, is that there aren't a bunch of really great football athletes like we have down here in Nebraska. And even when Nebraska was winning, I mean, they went to Florida and got guys. They went, they they came to Alabama and got players and in the South and out in California, you know, like they, they took the guys that they could get from Nebraska, but they went out and they had a big net. They, they feel so regional to me now. Um, and watching that game on Saturday was just typical Nebraska football. It reminded me of Alabama with Mike Shula. You know, you, you, if, the football game ended in the third quarter you'd be number one in the country you know in halfway into the third quarter but unfortunately what what i remember from the shula days is exactly what i see with nebraska when you get into that fourth quarter and you get punched there's no punch back and um this I, i'd say they better come up with some big wins here in the next i, I don't know i think. Just looking at that roster, I, I don't think it's going to be a good finish to the season for them. And then on the other hand, look at Northwestern. You know, you you talk about you know making you know chicken salad out of whatever you want to call it. That <laughs> program is exactly that. I mean, how do they keep winning? I mean, like they shouldn't be able to 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 compete with Nebraska and all those teams. But it, we'll turn around and they'll be back in the in the big the Big Ten championship for their annual butt whooping in that game. But they'll be there. So I think that that also goes to show what good coaching looks like. You find
6: a Douglas. way to win. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're not going to hurt themselves. They're going to make you win the game, make you make the plays. They're not going to be uh, making the minimal mistakes. The biggest minimal mistake of the day, in my opinion, was the onside kick. I thought they had tremendous momentum at that point in time. And for whatever reason, Scott Frost thought that he was going to build a trick Northwestern or maybe it was a, maybe it was a call that uh, it, that the kicker makes based on a, a formation or a look that they had talked about Throughout no, the week, Scott. but I think I think Scott. I would have told 100% him, Hundred percent Scott I'll do that. Hundred percent hundred percent Scott.
5: I, I have I have I have a lot to say on this, trust me. But um, I, I love what Pat Fitzgerald said after the game. He said there was one team on the field today with the championship culture and in the end that culture prevailed. He just Ooh. nailed it. I mean, he, yeah. he absolutely just destroyed Scott Frost, but he was absolutely correct. Uh, there was one team capable of playing
3: championship football and one team that wasn't. To me, the most amazing thing we've heard in this show, uh it's only 45 minutes old, is that Nick uh, yeah, Gillespie is friends with Warren Buffett.
5: I
4: know. I know.
7: Uh, <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty big hitter. I'm wondering, who, hitter. Uh,
5: I'm wondering who, who, who your source is there. I think it's Jimmy uh, Buffett.
7: I got. To, I got a
10: look.
7: <laughs> I'll tell you what. I got a look, and I I knew right away that that it's it's go time at Nebraska. So. Mickey,
6: uh, as always. <laughs> hey, we we appreciate your time. I mean, we're we're right up against a break, but um, we'll get to join you again next Monday. Mick Gillespie with us from Bama Insider and uh, On Three Media. Each and every week, tell everybody how they can see you throughout the week again.
7: All right, look, Jay and I are doing a little something on the bama insider youtube channel two o'clock on tuesday and thursday tonight i'll have the monday night quarterback show and friday it's the tailgate show it's syndicated on radio on saturday we record it uh friday nights in tuscaloosa at uh innisfree and uh you can always check us out bama insider on youtube or bama insider.com all
6: right my man thank you enjoy it fully Thanks, all right fully. Roll tight, my friend. today all right man roll tide I right, we'll continue. Hour number one. Stay with us. We're live from ABX.
0: Date, time, location, and a good contact name and number. Email it to Tuscaloosa PSA at TownsquareMedia.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with scattered showers and thunderstorms through early tonight. The high today, 91. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, morning sunshine, scattered showers and storms again by afternoon. The high at 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
6: racing expert, uh, in the house, but, uh, I guess they didn't, I guess, get them off the, uh, the racetrack, It got a little wet and, uh, then oh. had a major, major crash.
3: They had, uh, little pop up thunderstorms all around Daytona and NASCAR kind of gambled and said, okay, we're just going to see if we can't race through this. Well, lo and behold, they're coming through the tri-oval and one of them just starts pouring as they go into turn one. And the top three drivers all spun out. And now I'm talking about one, two, three at the very front of the field. Uh, Denny Hamlin just suddenly squirreled into the fence. And um, right now I can't remember the other two guys. But, uh, and then, of course, they just piled up behind him. I think it's 20 cars involved. It was crazy. And then in the end run, Austin Dillon wins it. But, so he becomes the 16th different winner this year. So that tossed out uh, Martin Truex Jr. He's not in the chase. Is that crazy? And Mm -hmm. Ryan Blaney. So it was a nutty day. That race was supposed to be run Saturday night. They had rain. They started at uh, 9 o'clock Sunday morning. I think they finished around 3.
5: Yeah, uh that is some really bad luck there for uh for a few of the guys uh and also you you're right like leader Eric Jones he that's when he he got sideways uh uh on the inside line by Hamlin and then just from there when whenever there's a crash at Daytona or Talladega and involves the front cars you know it's just going to be uh it's just going to be a train wreck and a lot of guys are going to get collected and it's often just the luck of the draw, Matt. Whether you make it through or make it, or you don't make it through. And and I thought that was one good thing about uh, Days of Thunder. Actually, there's a lot of good things. But uh, when the cars are all spinning at, on the track, and Tom Cruise's character, Cole Trickle, he's got to just pick a line and go for it. Spotter, and, and that's what. Yeah, yeah. You got to trust your spotter, and uh, and you know sometimes you make it through, and
3: sometimes you don't. Well, Austin Dillon was Cole Trickle. Because uh, he went down on the apron. You could hear his uh, spotter going, low, 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 low. Actually, that's, a, that's, that's how good. he sounded. Yeah, uh, But uh, <laughs> it was an exciting day. And next week they go to Darlington. And uh, they start the 10-race the championship run, which uh, so who'd, ought to be interesting. Who would be the favorite right now? Chase Elliott. I mean, he has the most wins. But uh, I always uh, think about Denny Hamlin. And the fact that with all his victories, three Daytonas, by the way. He's never won the. He's never won the championship. Did Kyle Busch qualify for the playoffs? Yes, he did.
5: Okay, so and Kyle Busch is without a ride for next year, as of right so far. now.
3: Meanwhile, Tyler Reddick has signed a deal. Uh, for twenty twenty four, he's going to race next year for Childress. Uh, I think I've got this right. Yeah, and uh, then he's going to a Toyota anyway. That, yeah, uh, that's that's enough NASCAR. Hey, coming up next hour. I have got to ask you guys a question about Guinness and Dublin. Is that a good tease? <laughs> yeah. I think y'all know oh, where I'm oh, going, yeah. but I have oh, a very, yeah. very, very different slant to this. Uh which uh I'd like to get you guys. I'd like to about. yeah. I
5: I know we're gonna go back to Dublin, but, but Jay, here is one of the most incredible statistics you'll ever hear. Scott this Frost unreal, by Scott the way. Frost could win. <laughs> Scott Frost could win his next 50 straight games at Nebraska. He's currently 15-30, and 30, right? He could win his next 50 straight games, and he would still have a worse record than Bo Pelini, who was fired after going 9-4 and four every year. Wow. And somehow, Scott Frost still has a job. His buyout, sure. his buyout goes way down on October 1st. I expect him to be fired on October 1 or October 2. I didn't know
3: that. So that, that does make sense as to why he wasn't mm-hmm. fired over the Atlantic. Yes, <laughs> wow.
6: Exactly. Oh. And that,
5: that, b- b- blaming right. blaming his offensive staff. And, and, and Jay and I were just texting about the play calling. Yeah, just anyway, we'll talk about it next hour. All
6: right. Uh, more to come also on oh. Alabama's depth chart release today. Getting ready for Utah State, their first matchup in game and week one of uh, their first game. All right. We're live from ABX. Uh, again, coming up, Terry Henley. On the other side, we'll talk Law Albert Tigers as well. Stay with us.
1: That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and Roll Tide.
2: Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992
1: we're just trying to get as many guys to play winning football as you know, we possibly can. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of competition on our team right now, which I think, you know, really helps you develop the kind of depth that you need on the team because guys are out there every day, you know, working hard. I think, you know, one of the things we try to emphasize to our players is whether you're going to start or be a backup, you've got to prepare yourself to be ready to go when you get your opportunity. You know, a lot of guys kind of slack off a little bit when they don't think they're going to play or they're not going to start or whatever their role might be. And then when they do get to play and they do get to be called on, you know, they're not ready to go. So we're, we're, we're trying to emphasize that so that we get more players on the team who can play winning football for us. And, you know, we're going to continue to do that, you know, at every position.
6: Right, welcome back in hour number two here on this Monday edition. Mick Gillespie joined us first hour and uh, really got some great insight from him talking about the depth chart release today for Alabama's week one matchup against Utah State. We are presented by Top Golf of Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf, you'll absolutely love it for your friends. Family co workers, and uh, they do a lot of great events out there too from birthday parties, they do uh, bachelor, bachelorette parties, anniversaries, you name it. They can do it. They do a lot of charitable work as well with a lot of charities. They do their golf tournament type events out there and uh, much more as far as business conferences and stuff that they want to have a, a chance to do some team building. They'll do that at Top Golf as well. And also, do, they do lessons at Top Golf if you want to learn how to play the game of golf. Get out to Top Golf of Birmingham. Also, driven by Sunny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go by and see Tony Russell and all the great folks there. At at Sonny King Ford. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. We've got Terry Henley's going to join us here in about 10, 15 minutes. We'll talk Albert Tigers. TJ Finley named their starting quarterback. Brian Robinson, uh, in an attempted, uh, whether it be a carjacking or armed robbery, uh, sustained two injuries to his lower extremities. And uh, that, at least that's the reports coming out right now. Nothing life threatening. And according to some of the things that he has said uh, to his coach, uh, Rivera, uh, in a tweet that he put out, uh, saying that uh, he'll be back. And in thanks for the prayers, support from family, friends his teammates, and uh, all the people that are reaching out to him right now after what happened uh, yesterday evening uh, in Washington, D.C. with the commander. So some of the top storylines there. Again, Alabama's depth chart uh, is released. We kind of broke it down a little bit. We'll go through more of that uh, throughout the show. But uh, also Daytona, big, big uh, crash there. And uh, Austin Dillon goes on and able to win that race down in Daytona yesterday. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and uh, guys, as we – Continue hour number two, real quick. Uh I brought this up earlier. But Lars, four years ago we started this thing yesterday on the twenty eighth of August. Hard to believe. We've been together now for four years and uh been great to have Matt, uh Antonio Langham, uh Trent Richardson, uh, and others who have been a part of the show throughout those last four years and uh look forward to getting the crew back in. Tony Curry back with us again. Uh, this year, he'll be with us two days a week on, I think, Wednesdays and Fridays uh, are going to be the days that he can make it in and, and be a part of uh, the show with us. So excited about the growth of it as well as uh, what we've, we've done the last four years.
5: Yeah, Jay, uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, asking me on the show uh, and, um, you know, kind of taking a chance because I had not done uh, daily radio in my entire career. I'd come up to uh, see you guys at, at Jocks when you had the show there uh many times Uh, i remember still just like it's like five minutes ago i brought lincoln up there when lincoln was a newborn with my mother crazy and uh (laughs) yeah yeah and now lincoln's seven um no it, it has been wonderful uh not just becoming uh very close friends with you but uh the people i've met through the show uh all the different guests we've had in in studio i mean pretty much uh Every single important person uh, in sports at least uh, in this state has come through this studio the last four years and it has been uh, it has been absolutely um, it 's been exhilarating it 's been fun and uh, it 's a completely again kind of a, a new medium for me a new genre but Matt, I absolutely love it and I, I love the fact that you are a daily part of the show now too and uh, you bring so much experience, and you know, you and I have been close friends for a long time too. I remember going I, one of my very first radio appearances was on your show, and, and uh, um, just uh, again getting to know you guys has, has been a real thrill for me, Matt.
3: Well, I, I did because Jay and you decided to bring the bring the guy out of the bullpen, out of the old folks' bullpen, uh, and it's been a blast. You can ask my, you can ask Karen. Matt's a lot happier. He's better when he's doing what he loves to do. And, uh, and I am. And it is. And uh, it's growing. And it's going to grow some more. So, all is good. All right. I want to I bring this up. This, okay. to start here, Jay. Mm-hmm. Nebraska and Northwestern playing in Dublin. The machines that take their debit cards totally fail for two hours. What do they do? They give away Guinness. To the fans, there were forty-two thousand people there. Free beer, absolutely, Dublin, amazing, and that's (laughs) not just any beer. Two of those will wipe you out. (laughs) Not that I would know anything about that, but here's my question, and I'm serious. If that were to happen Saturday night at Bryant Denny Stadium, Jay, I will ask you first would would they agree to serve free beer? Maybe
6: if they had a contract with the payment processor that where everything broke down for the folks there at the at the stadium, uh, maybe you know if, if that happens, they have to take on the cost. We see we'll see whether or not they pass that cost on to the uh, to, to that particular per- or that particular group that was handling that for them, and and they handle it for other big uh, groups like that uh, over and uh, over there in uh, in Europe. So it's uh, one of those things where. Uh, at Alabama, I don't know. I mean, gosh, I mean, again, if the, if the contract says if something goes down, they're responsible to make sure that everybody is getting fed and everybody has been able to buy beer. So that might be uh, Might be the case. But uh, I, I don't know if they are going to be giving it away as much uh, from a university standpoint as they would. I mean, did you see the lines? I mean, once everybody realized, everybody coming back going, it's yeah. free. <laughs> they were lined up for miles. But were yeah.
3: people getting a beer just going to the back of the line start all over again? <laughs> exactly um yeah so
5: yeah so okay so the internet goes down that means the credit card machines don't work over, it wasn't internet uh, in dublin it yeah, wasn't yeah, the internet yeah, sorry, internet was, worked uh, yeah sorry it was it was a technical issue with the payment provider the payment right, processor right. yeah that's it. yes yeah yeah um and so uh yeah i mean they gave away food and uh beer and uh yeah the lines were uh extremely long um, but I, I wonder, too, if the fact that it was, you know, it was mostly Americans who were there at the event, and it's almost just like a uh, like a goodwill gesture. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think there's just more at stake than just a typical game
6: at Brian. I had thought about that. It's
5: like, a, it's like you, you want uh, these Americans who have spent a lot of money, a lot of effort to come to this game in Dublin. Great and, point. And uh, you want to
3: show them a good time. Here's my deal with it and why I don't think it wouldn't happen at Bryant-Denny or at any other stadium. The liability is huge. Yeah. Now that you've had free beer, that stadium is responsible if you go out they it won't be because you bought it it's because they gave it away and i oh mean i've always wanted
6: it's to tell a, great do point a story yeah.
5: a long story on uh was a uh, 10 cent beer or penny beer night oh in gosh. milwaukee all those years ago where they had a milwaukee baseball game Jay, remember we've talked about this a little <laughs> bit i think <laughs> like, they had to actually uh, stop the game because the fans just got out of control by like the 7th inning cuz essentially it was free beer and, uh,
9: but that penny protected know. them. I, I just
5: don't, <laughs> That's right. yeah, oh, yeah you're right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I just, I don't see that ever happening in the United States,
6: giving away free beer. Yeah. So the providers, some S U M U P. So we'll see whether or not, uh, they were unable to process the card transactions for two hours at Aviva stadium there. So in Ireland, gosh, crazy. But, um, they, uh, you know, I think that they probably will end up being liable for this. But you're right. I, I think the catering group, uh, Levi, uh, said, "Look, you know, we, we got to do this. We got to keep it going. We've got to. We, we can't tell people we can't, they can't buy this because they're trying to create a, a great atmosphere for the fans who traveled in from out of the country. And pretty much, the majority of them were that were in that stadium at that time, and they wanted to have a great showing for them."
3: I don't know well, if this just, is true or not, but I, I saw a, a picture. Maybe it was – but Scott Frost was in line in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> you need to start drinking his,
6: yeah, uh, At least yeah, after that on-site kick attempt. It's crazy. And I think, too, there's probably going to be a lot of hackers trying to hack into payment systems in these college campuses now.
5: Yes, <laughs> I agree. But I wonder <laughs> who just made the – who made the decision? Like for the vendors to start giving everything away for free. I remember in New York City when uh, there was the massive blackout and so uh, all – yeah, so no power. And so all these little bodegas, which are basically just little grocery stores, started giving away free ice cream all the ice cream was going to be melting anyway. So everybody on the street basically had free ice cream, eating ice cream. Awesome. It, was, it was, it was the one good thing that came out of that. Cause it was like yeah, my, 99 degrees and uh, no, uh, no AC
6: that night. Oh, I my, der- what, my man, understanding Levi, which there? was the, um, or levy or whatever you call it, a sports and hospitality catering service that uh, they also have at clients, including the premier league soccer clubs. And they said they did not uh, estimate or give an estimate of lost revenue because of this, but uh, they're the ones that made the decision. They run it.
5: Well, at least it was uh, Nebraska playing there, not Alabama. And they were, <laughs> I think Alabama. I don't know. If you take a typical Nebraska fan, typical Alabama fan, who do you think can put down some more? I would bet on Alabama. I'd take, I'd take yep.
3: Southerners any day yep. of the week. Oh. <laughs> I'd take you and me against most people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hey, Terry, he's right, we... going up, right, Jay?
6: Yeah, Terry Henley joining us, uh, one of the greats from Auburn Tigers, and uh, always fun to have him on. He'll join us via phone. Coming up next, talking Auburn Tigers, TJ Finley gets the nod at the quarterback position. Not a lot of surprise there, and also we'll get his take on Coach Harson and uh, all that's uh, going on over the offseason, as well as uh, getting ready for this first matchup. Stay with us. We're live from ABX.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios. Text the word BETTER to 48542. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to
0: 48542. Message and data rates may apply. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with scattered showers and thunderstorms through early tonight. The high today, 91. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, morning sunshine, scattered showers and storms again by afternoon. The high at 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: Again, hour number
6: two here on this Monday edition, Jay Barker Show with Matt Bolter. Lars Anderson, getting ready for week one, not only for the Crimson Tide, but also for the Auburn Tigers, and uh, they have named their quarterback. Now, let's talk to Terry Henley, former running back for the Auburn Tigers, and uh, just not only a great uh, player there, but also uh, always great to have on the show and get his take on the Auburn Tigers. Terry, first of all, welcome in. Hope you're doing well. Hope your family's doing well.
10: Oh, just living a dream, guys. How about yourself?
6: (laughs) Tried the same. Tried, tried to live Terry's dream. Yeah, do okay.
10: Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking about getting me a lot more to vote flagging,
6: you know. What I, mean? you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah. uh, we, we got to ask you about uh, Alan Green, just kind of uh, your take on uh, as far as what happened there with him as the athletic director. Let's start with that, and then we'll get into T.J. Finley. But just kind of give us your take on all that and the direction Auburn's moving right now.
10: Well, first of all, there's not a lot I can say about uh, the uh, replacement of AD. They, we have a president, Chris. Uh, you know, Chris is doing a wonderful job, and and it's his game to play, and uh, it was his move to make. And uh, and uh, I trust Dr. Robertson doing the right thing, and uh, we move on from that. That's, that's about all I've got to say about that.
6: T.J. Finley named the uh, starting quarterback for Auburn. Uh, yeah, I know Calzada came in, but it's really continued to kind of deal with some injuries and things that he's had to overcome. Talk, talk about that position. Do you think TJ's going to do a, a really good job and, and what you've heard about him as far as in can?
10: Well, you know, all big quarterbacks, large quarterbacks you take, whether it be Cam Newton or you take Jeremy uh, Johnson that we had or, or uh, the Dak at the Dallas Cowboys. You know what I mean? All the all these big quarterbacks, the number one thing, and I think all of y'all agree, they have to learn to put a touch on the ball because they've got such an arm, they're big, they big hands and everything, and they can just throw this ball through a car wash and not get the seams wet. And uh but it's the little touch passes of uh, the swing passes uh coming out of the backfield Um, the 10-yard squat pass. I mean, all of those things that you got to take a little bit off. And I hope some maturity has set in with him that he's got to learn that uh, because I think that's been his big problem all along.
3: Terry, is uh, Tank going to be the uh, 2022 version of Terry Henley and touch the ball 40 times a game?
10: Well... Let's hope that if he does, they can keep him well. You know, that's, I think that's the biggest right. problem Auburn's got right now, whether it be offensive line, anything to do with the offense. They're they're not very deep in, in talent except at running back with uh, with Hunter behind Tank and then the freshman here uh, that has shown a, a lot of, lot of uh, speed and a lot of agility, you know, but like Coach Jordan said, we when I told him I need to be starting and when I was a sophomore and of Mickey's off course senior, he said, Terry, you are better than Mickey. He said, And when we put you in the game? We know something exciting's fixing to happen. We just don't know if it's for our team or the other team. You know, and <laughs> so you, right now you just keep working on what you do. So in 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 courting uh, I mean in shorting my comment here, I I just I, I think Tank is a special. He's a special player, and special players usually want the ball. They usually want the ball, and they want the ball in critical situations and downs and things. and And I think Tank's going to be that kind of back.
5: Terry, you look at Auburn's schedule. First five games at home. Um, Two two questions. One, what is a realistic best case scenario scenario for this team? Can they get to maybe nine wins? And then two, how important is this Penn State game, uh, when the Nittany Lions roll in to the Plains?
10: Well, let me start with the Penn State. Okay. I got I got a better chance of winning the Talladega of five hundred on a bicycle than Penn State beating Auburn and Auburn. Okay. I mean that's not going to happen.
8: <laughs>
10: that's, that's not going to happen, guys. I mean, I mean, it is a, I believe a two point spread right now, one and a half, two point spread is what I think it is. And if you don't think that isn't a sucker bet, you just watch every one of these people piling on Penn State. You know that because Auburn's been belied here and things like that, and Auburn is going to wear their hind in out. That they will wear them of out. Yes, they are. You, I'm telling you. Okay. If not, you can see me coming out of turn four on that bicycle. Okay. <laughs>
8: <laughs> and and, and then just over,
5: overall, re, overall record. Uh, oh, yeah. Terry, what, what, gonna, what do you think?
10: Well, now listen, y'all you, you, you know who you're talking to. I mean, really. Now, do you really think that I'm going to tell though. you that? A, you think I'm fixing to tell you that Auburn don't lose five ball games? Auburn's gonna win them all. Auburn's gonna win them all. So, you know.
6: Terry, what's your uh, what's your relationship with Coach Harson? and uh, just kind of get your perspective on him and the job he's done so far at Auburn, and just kind of how he's kind of mixed in with the with the atmosphere, the environment there.
10: Well, I think he's he's had a learning curve. He's had a big learning curve coming from Boise down here. Uh,
8: um,
10: you know, uh, just I would imagine, just in what he orders to eat is a lot different down here than it is in Boise. You know, like, so, like
6: putting Terry Henley in Boise, right?
10: That sounds exactly right. <laughs> well, first of all. First of all, my wife says I'm going to have rickets because I eat the same thing all every day. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, listen, he, he's had a learning curve. There's no question about it. I mean, he's uh, – whether it's uh, going out here and meeting the high school coaches and engaging with them and and uh, recruiting, I mean uh, – a uh, six-three, two hundred and twenty-pound defensive end for Boise is a good-looking kicker for Auburn. Okay, uh, <laughs> you, you got you got you got to learn the difference uh, in that, and um, and I think he's uh, he, to start with that he thought that uh, he could outsmart uh, some of these uh, uh, teams and coaches, and I think he's learned that a little more difficult than he originally thought, and I think he'd have to go back and think about that and change some things. But uh, uh, I'm anxious to see what the new concept is that he's going to put on the bill.
3: Terry, before we let you go, this weekend was the Birmingham Street Film Festival, and uh, you and I joined about 2,000-plus other people yesterday at the Alabama Theater to watch A Walk with Joey. And I just want you to do a quick audio trailer of this film, which you had a huge part in and on. Um, this, why people should go see this?
10: If you love your family, if you love your family, and you really want to see a family pull together in tragedy, and and uh, not one time, not two times, three times, you know, and what they went through, and it is a story that is so moving. You know, it's incredible. And you will, I promise you, you will go home after seeing this and hug your children. I promise you, you will. And your wife, too, because it is it is something special. I, I sat there in that movie theater with, uh, with uh, my wife bawling, Gene Sullivan sitting next to her balling and Owen Vickers sitting behind me. He was balling so hard. I couldn't hear all the sound of what they were saying on the screen, (laughs) but it is a special, special short movie that, that I think is just uh, going to go somewhere before it's all over. with. Good plug, Terry.
5: Yeah. And Terry, uh, just one one final question for me: When Pat I've been Patrick, when Bo Nix wins the Heisman Trophy for Oregon, <laughs> will they roll Tumor's Corner?
10: <laughs> Listen, you know it's too early in the day for you to be drinking. Okay, it's really too early. <laughs> you You don't know you know I I love the Knicks family I I really do his dad I like his dad I I like his son I like the family the whole nine yards you know and uh, and his choice was to move uh, from Auburn because he felt like his son you know had a better chance to play more and uh, to excel out there And, and if that's what his daddy's a coach. I'm not, but um, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him. And listen, we'll just have to wait and see how he plays out there. It's a, it's a different game he's playing in out there too. Let's re- let's remember that.
6: No doubt about it, Terry. Always great to catch up with you, my man. Thank you.
10: Thank y'all really so much thought. for having me on. War Eagle and Absolutely. Auburn wins them all, guys.
6: <laughs> I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love it.
10: Heard it. Right here.
6: And again, uh, a walk with Joey you were talking about the Joey Hell movie and um and again uh, being able to see that uh, yesterday at the film festival. Um great stuff. I want to tell everybody that again and, and the name of the movie actually a walk with Joey. Again is the name of the movie. All yeah. right, uh, thanks to Terry Henley yeah, joining us. we we'll continue.
3: plays a major role in it. Excuse me, Jay. Atlanta oh, he does James Oh, good. good. It's great stuff.
6: Yeah. Awesome. All right, uh, we'll continue live from ABX. Stay with us hour number 2. Built by Siebles and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebles and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800 448 1962 That's 800 448 1962 And just for listening, go to Siebelscottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code, available only to our listeners. For a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood are online at
9: Siebel'sCottage.com. letter O.
6: Monday edition. Again, game week it is. Hard to believe. Man, the all-season absolutely flew by. Alabama's got their depth chart out today. Uh, we heard talked about T.J. Fenley for the Auburn Tigers. Gets the starting nod. Bryce Young for the Crips Tide. No doubt there. Uh, who's the, uh, the starting quarterback for Alabama and looking to uh, maybe be uh, since... Uh, a while back, this the back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner uh, for the Crimson Tide. We'll see whether or not uh, he can accomplish that right now. C.J. Uh, Stroud excuse me, has uh, is sitting at the top as far as a lot of predictions from Ohio State. But a lot of great matchups coming up uh, in week one. Alabama's uh, got Utah State, but some of the ones that are happening as far as uh, in the uh, opening weekends, um, as far as looking at some of the different uh, matchups and stuff. Anything that you guys... Like out there as far as uh, some of the uh, matchups coming up uh, early on? I
5: definitely like uh, West Virginia and Pittsburgh. Um, we going to have uh, two former USC quarterbacks playing in that game, huh. uh, which is <laughs> pretty interesting. Uh, Slovis is going to be starting for Pittsburgh, and JT Daniels is going to be starting for uh, West Virginia. Uh, it's cool that that rivalry is being renewed. Um, but that, that really that is sort of the number
6: one that sticks out. Uh, or, okay, so that's yeah. on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Thursday. Notre yeah, Dame at Ohio State. You've got coming up. You got Oregon and Georgia, yeah. which to be a great Oregon, matchup. Yeah. Bo, Bo Nix will have a chance to. Uh, you know, he, he can tell the guys about what that's like uh, to play uh, Georgia and, and playing over there in Athens. Um, I, I, the Cincinnati at Arkansas game, even though Cincinnati lost a lot, still at what a playoff team last year, Matt. And um man, yeah, I tell you this Arkansas team, I think, with Jefferson at quarterback of the experience he's got now, I think it's gonna be even better this year than they were last.
3: I tell you, I like this because it's it's homegrown. It's right here. But UAB opens uh this Thursday night at protective and uh they take on Alabama A and M, which, you know, that's a tier below so they should win. But Tony Curry and I are gonna go. Y'all are invited too, especially Jay. I guess uh your son is on the sidelines this year,
6: correct? That's right, yeah. He's uh, had a labrum uh, injury, had surgery in the off season. So, uh, as I brought this up before, he had COVID year 2020, 2021, shirted year, and then this year he gets a medical redshirt. So, uh, he'll come back. Uh, his freshman um, debut next fall at UAB quarterback, and uh, he'll be turning 22 that September. <laughs> I was leaving Alabama at 22.
3: Uh, I, I agree with you. I like Cincinnati, Arkansas. I want to see what happens here as the Hogs go. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the, the marquee
5: matchup, uh, and I was just looking early in the week earlier, but uh, the marquee matchup clearly is Notre Dame at Ohio State, uh, number two, traveling to number, uh, sorry, number five, traveling to number two. And even though Notre Dame is ranked that high, Ohio State is a 16-and-a-half-point oh, favorite. I just saw uh, that. Yeah, but you you, you look at uh, Ohio State um, under Ryan Day. Uh, he's got an 18-and-1 record at home. He's 12-and-2 in the regular season against top 25 teams. And uh, they're boasting. I, I think this is a great stage early in the season for C.J. Stroud to make a very, very early statement, Jay, in, in the in the Heisman race. And uh, I could really see Ohio State just just putting the gas pedal uh, uh, firmly down against Notre Dame.
6: Yeah, and I, and I know they're having a great recruiting class, so it's kind of going to be a building thing. Those guys won't get there until next spring. But, um, yeah, Ohio State should take care of Notre Dame. I, I truly believe that. Utah at Florida on September the 3rd. you got Florida State, LSU on that Sunday, September the 4th. And then Alabama at Texas September the 10th, which is going to be a big one for the Crimson Tide after this first matchup against Utah State. Tennessee at Pitt will be a good one on September 10th. Iowa State at Iowa on September 10th as well. Then it's Miami at Texas A&M September the 17th. Oklahoma at Nebraska. i got to get your take on that one, September the 17th.
5: Yeah, I would have thought, uh, <laughs> I would have thought uh, up until Saturday that Nebraska – would have had a chance, but maybe they'll get stuff ironed out. Maybe Scott Frost will not make any calls whatsoever because it's just like, you know, Jay, you and I were texting. Scott couldn't help himself. He no longer is the offensive coordinator. He's not making play calls, and he even admitted after the game that he needed to, quote, be more cooperative with Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator. And that means, like, Scott. Scott's like, he's still... You know, he wants to take his ball and leave the playground because uh, the teacher, Trev Alberts, told him he couldn't call the plays anymore. And therefore, now he's not even going to be helping his offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, who, by the way, after the game, Mark (laughs) Scott threw under the bus, telling him that the offensive game plan wasn't creative, creative enough. Okay, Scott, you need to be a part of the offensive game plan. Mark Whipple uh, comes from Pitt. He hasn't called games in the Big Ten, and you're playing a a, a Big Ten team. Man, uh, it it was just a complete cluster, and that uh, onside kick call was really bad. Scott said after that he regretted it and that uh, he was just trying to be aggressive. Nebraska at the time had just scored a touchdown up 28-17 in the third quarter, and you think they are just going to absolutely blow this team out. Yeah. And uh, then you do the onside kick. It kills all momentum and uh, gave Northwestern a short field. Northwestern then scores the final 14 points of the game and, uh, and upsets Nebraska, who I think was about a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. And uh, like I said in the first hour, uh, Pat Fitzgerald was just quoted as saying, you know, uh, we, there was one team that had a winning culture on that field and culture won the game. Like he knew that Nebraska was just sort of gonna collapse and jay I, I you made a really interesting point to me over text about just how that game ended, and throwing those pat i mean Nebraska had plenty of time on the clock, you're moving the ball down the field a little bit, you're like at your own twenty five yard line or so, and then throwing that like little i, I guess that was just a little uh uh a uh, slant route to the tight end
6: and ball off yeah. his
5: hands. Yeah, a crossing route. So so just talk, just explain to me why you didn't like that call.
6: I, I just don't think at that point in the game, and, and especially in a two-minute type of offense, you throw the ball across the field. Because, I mean, or, I'm in the middle of the field. The reason you don't because everybody's playing behind it. They're going to drop into coverage. You've got you know, eight guys that are going to go back there, sometimes maybe it's seven, but eight normally in that situation. Linebackers are going to get depth. Your safeties are getting depth. So you keep everything to the outside. You try to get it. Where it's either your guy the sideline and it's going out of bounds, um, and, or you throw to the outside to a back. Um, you know, in order for that, so let him clear out of there, then give him a little more time, maybe to, you know, to get the pass off. But man, across the middle, you get a tip ball like that. The ball, I mean, it should have been caught. I mean, it gets on your hands. You got to catch it as a receiver. It was a little bit behind him, probably a little bit hot as well. But uh, you got to make the catch. But across the middle, you get the tip ball. You're going to get an interception, and it's just not smart. It's not a smart call. Not a smart play by the quarterback as well you got to be able – you're looking to the outside to make those plays, get the ball out of bounds, or the ball goes out of bounds.
5: And another quick question for you. Casey Thompson, Nebraska's quarterback, who was a starter at Texas last year, came out in the first half and was just on fire. I mean, just, just throwing these beautiful balls all over the field, had over 200 yards or about 200 yards at halftime. And then Jay comes out in the second half, and he, he can't hit the side of the barn. I mean, I, I just—I've yeah, never weird. seen a quarterback like that. Like, how do you? How does a quarterback get try to find your rhythm? Like, if you were in a situation like that, where suddenly you just like lost your accuracy, and I don't—I can't even explain the sort of mental aspect of that. But how do you get out of that?
6: Uh, I mean, if you're overthrowing guys, you throw at them. I mean, if you—if you're throwing it too high or throwing it too far, you just say, okay, I'm just going to throw it at, at their hips. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna concentrate on that and, and aim at that. I mean, you just gotta gotta make that correction, and uh, he just couldn't. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, we even talked about that on text that he just didn't even like the same quarterback in the second half. So crazy. Hey, w- one more matchup real quick, and I'll get Matt's take on this because Terry uh, said that Auburn is going to absolutely destroy Penn State at Auburn on September the 17th. Did you guys believe that, or do you think it's just uh, with Penn State <laughs> last year? What was it, 28? Uh, what 20 I think it was last year. The uh, the final yep. score there, but to come back and win that. Uh, against Auburn from that game on though they lost like six of the last eight games and ended up with a what seven and six record uh, after that matchup and they were in the playoff picture at that time people were talking about Penn State after beating Auburn 28-20 might have a chance to make the playoffs
3: well I think Auburn is going to win I don't know in dominating fashion that Terry Henley told us about but Personally, right now, from what I've read, and this is some from the the writers in in the in the North as well, they're, Penn State's overrated according to a lot of people. Uh, so, I don't know that they're going to win by four touchdowns, but I think they're going to win it. And uh, that had to get Sean Clifford really back, the quarterback, Arson. and all
6: of his targets, pretty much, except for what is it? Uh, the Dotson kid is gone.
3: Yeah. Uh,
5: it, man, it, it is such a pivotal game for both of these schools, and um, like it, it's it's almost equally important for Penn State as Auburn. Penn State needs to prove that they can go on the road in the SEC and and, uh, and win. And I believe uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. This is the only matchup in the off or in the in, in in preseason games before we get into the conference uh, between an SEC team and a Big Ten team. So this will be a kind of a good measuring stick of uh, of where the two conferences are, because uh, Penn State is considered right now kind of a middle of the road Big Ten team. Auburn considered a lower Blast. tier, Blast lower Blast tier in, SEC yeah. team, and so just again, just give us a little bit of a sense of of where these two conferences are and how they stack up against each other.
6: Yeah, and I, I look forward to that Utah and Florida game as well. We talked about earlier. Uh, just kind of seeing on September the thrust this weekend and uh, whether or not uh, we'll see where is at right now with Napier. But Utah, a lot of people got them making it to the VF 14 playoff based on what they did last year. All right, we'll wrap up hour number two coming up next we'll get back into Alabama's depth chart. We'll look at the interior, the trenches. Can they win with these guys on the offense and defense? We'll talk about it. Stay with us.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show. ...to see how your business stands up to the competition. And if you're one of the first to sign up, you'll get $500 in free advertising on this radio station. That's mylocalcustomers.com.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, partially sunny with scattered showers and thunderstorms through early tonight. The high today, 91. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, morning sunshine, scattered showers and storms again by afternoon. The high at 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
6: about four or five minutes here before we get to the top of the hour and uh, looking at uh, Alabama's depth chart today, Nick Saban coming out, talking about depth is the key when it comes to the crimson tide again, preaching it since the end of the national championship game was when guys had opportunities to step into roles where guys got hurt and did not perform at the level that they needed to or that they could uh, based on their talent, the things that just didn't prepare and didn't work the way they should throughout the season. He'll harp on that. I'm sure throughout the uh, entire year, uh, for the Crimson Tide, about being ready when your name is called. Uh, as far as the uh, defense, defensive end, Tim Smith, uh, you got got Noseguard, D.J. Dell, and Byron Young will be the other defensive end. After Sam, linebacker, Dallas Turner, no surprise. Henry Toto, no surprise at Mike. Jalen Moody at Will. Uh, behind him, you got De- Deontay uh, Lawson and also uh, uh, jihad Campbell, uh, Will Anderson at Jack. Uh, we talked about the cornerbacks and stuff, free safeties earlier. And then on the other side of the ball, Tyler Steen gets to start at left tackle. Kendall Randolph at left guard. At center, it's Darren Dowcourt. Uh, uh, Emil uh, Okior uh, gets the right guard uh, position. At right tackle, is J.C. Latham. They tied in Robbie Oates. So uh, you look at that, uh, that line, is going to be the key this year. Last year, gave up a lot of sacks. I think third in the SEC as far as number of sacks that were given up. Uh, so uh, they want to improve on that. I think also yards per uh, per carry we're not uh, what Alabama was used to over the last uh, so many years. Uh, I think they dated back almost to 2007 or eight uh, when uh, they've had a lower number uh, than that. So uh, this is a, 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 in the trenches where you win games, guys. Uh, Lars, I'll start with you. Just kind of any surprises there.
5: Yeah. Um, you know, it strikes me about, uh, especially just looking at the offensive side of the ball, um, that three of the 11 starters are guys who came through the transfer portal, and at all at really key position. Your left tackle, Tyler Steen from uh, Vandy. Uh, Gibbs, you're starting running back from Georgia Tech, who I think is going to have a really, really big year. And then Jermaine Burton, uh, your ex, you're starting X-wide receiver, uh, who I think could eventually become or maybe very quickly emerge as the number one target for Bryce Young uh so again just uh, it it underscores to me that uh, the transfer portal is extremely important and it it was last year for Alabama and uh uh, Matt uh, I think it will be this year too especially again on the offensive side of the ball
3: I really like on paper which is exactly all it is right now literally and figuratively the offensive line I think there's potential there I mean um, Oakley is a preseason All-American yep. or, or like, backup, I think. Yeah. Um, Randolph has played every position, but quarterback now, hadn't he? He started tight end. Then he moved inside or he played tight end. He also played offensive line. Yeah. Kendall and now, Randolph, at, now yeah, left Kendall, guard. He's, he's now at left guard athletic. And, um, yeah, and very.
5: and dalcourt's got uh some starts behind him and uh j c Latham is a player that came in as a very heralded recruit and has got is a, a tremendous amount of potential uh jay any surprise that jalen minro milroe is uh, listed as the second string quarterback behind young or is that what you expected all along
6: no it was expected and, and i think too you know look you know they're looking at a, a lot of different scenarios, but both quarterbacks behind Bryce played really well in, in the scrimmages and played really well in practice. And I, I think it's more of a seniority thing right now. I mean, you also think about his coaches, about transfers, and you know want to keep guys happy. Um, so and Jalen Milrose very much got is such a talent. I mean, I think he's still working. As Terry talked about, just touch on the past things like that. That he that, that there are things that he can get better at. But as far as his arm, it's unbelievable. His athletic ability, probably he's one of the fastest guys on the team. One of the strongest guys on the team in the weight room so and and really got a great mind for the game it really has a a great uh, as far as uh, just just football IQ he's definitely got that I tell you the other guy that we've heard a ton about during practice and 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 very from the very beginning and even coach brought him up after the first scrimmage is Kobe Prentice and I heard great things about him and and saying you know this guy's really emerging and needed to emerge at that time based on the fact uh, that uh, they needed uh, a guy at that at that slot receiver H where Jojo Earl was kind of slotted to be the guy that would take over at that, at that position. So good stuff there by Kobe Prentice uh, coming in and being able to win that job and uh, will provide, I think, a lot of good stuff there at that H position, that slot position for them at wide receiver. All right, from Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, I'm Jay Barker. Thanks again to Mick Gillespie from Bama Insider on 3 Media and also Terry Henley, former running back for the Auburn Tigers, talking about TJ Finley, the starting quarterback, as well as their matchups uh, coming up uh, against uh, Penn State. Have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow for the Tuesday edition of Jay Barker Show live from ABX.